In this milestone 25th episode of Packaging Talks, it is our pleasure to be joined by our special guest Dr. Claire Sang, who is a globally renowned food packaging expert and leader. In her conversation with Dr. Rangaprasad, she emphasizes the role of basic science in designing food packaging and to ensure its safety and quality for the consumer. Dr. Sang does this by citing examples from her research and development work, due to which she has successfully helped brands to ensure shelf life extension of packaged food products. Tune in as she shares insights on the critical role played by the selection of packaging materials in defining barrier protection, ensuring food protection and safety, yet at the end of life having minimal impact on environment. Hello everyone and welcome to a fresh episode of Packaging Talks, podcast series brought to you by the Packaging 360 team. Today on Packaging Talks, our guest is Dr. Claire San, food packaging expert and leader. Dr. Claire Sand consults with food and packaging companies that need compelling food packaging solutions, leveraging about 35 plus years experience in food packaging science, along with value chain perspectives from basic R&D to marketing. As a recipient of the Reister Davis Brody Award for Lifetime Achievement in Food Packaging, she's an established authority on food packaging. It's a pleasure to welcome you, Dr. Claire Sand on Packaging Talks. Thank you. I appreciate your time. It's, it's wonderful to be here. And I'm, um, as I uh, mentioned earlier, uh, so happy that you do what you do in sharing ideas. Dr. San, let's kickstart kick the discussion with you know, a brief overview of the R&D work that you've been carrying out over the last three decades. What do you think has been your most significant contribution to food packaging, uh, food science and packaging technology? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I, I think actually it's it's not science. I really enjoy science. I mean, that's that's what wakes me up in the day. And my early experiences in Thailand and Colombia and Germany really have shaped my career. Uh, I was fortunate to have a lot of really good mentors and really start out in basic research with migration rates and things like that. But the science part is important, but I really consider the most impact that I've had in the field of food packaging is really being a mentor to, to people and really being able to reach out, guide people in their career if they need guidance, and really be an advocate for them to pursue sort of science, a life in science-based decision-making. We have a lot of young people who uh, don't have the advantages that, that other people have in their, their careers and in terms of who they know. And it's sad to see how that may impact their success. So I really strive to work hard and mentor students you know, from, from different countries, uh, as well as from the United States. Um, but people who are really passionate about science and using food and packaging. And I encourage everybody, if you don't have somebody you're mentoring, grab somebody <laughs> who needs some help. And we, we have a lot of young people now who need help and, and guidance. We see a lot of people, like uh, professors and things like that, serve as mentees for students, but industry people also need to reach out and, and mentor young people, of course. So uh, right now I have a, a mentee, a new mentee in India right now. She's you know, a graduate from the behavior science program and uh, super interesting to get to know her, her perspectives, and uh, hopefully help her. Okay, that's great. Coming to the most important topic, which is of concern uh, the world over, is food wastage. So how have you been uh, 
able to address this topic and what according to you is the role of advanced packaging technologies to minimize uh, food wastage and losses on account of improper storage or improper food packaging. So could you tell us a little more about how you've been able to pursue this problem and then translate your R&D work into, uh, into practice? Yeah, that's the key. That's the key. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about food waste. And, you know, frankly, I think we need to stop talking about it and just do something about it. It's the reason I got into packaging. Uh, I was taking a lot of coursework at uh, Michigan State in the 80s. I graduated in 86. And, you know, we've been talking about it for a long time. And, and since I've been involved in, in the field, it's still at around 30%, various parts of the value chain, right? And that's changed, but you really need to do something. One of the things that I'm doing on a, on a high level is really calling brands to the mat and saying, you know, are you going to do something about food waste or are you just going to talk about doing something about food waste? And that's different. So a lot of brands have spent and have been extremely successful to, you know, reduce food waste at the production facility and from farm to the production facility. Because frankly, there's a whole heck of a lot of money involved there and even into retail, right? So we've invested in a lot of this. And really, 90% of the investment dollars have really flowed into reducing food waste from farm to retailer. I think that's great, right? But only 20% of the environmental impact is actually in that area. But that's where a lot of the money is. When consumers provide the packaged food, that's where most of the food waste happens. And that also happens in the back of house in uh, restaurants. So, you know, this is a very tough value proposition for brands. And one of the things I've been doing very aggressively lately is calling them to mat to the mat and saying, you know, you can reduce, you can invest in packaging technologies that are poised, scalable, you know, or a pilot phase that can effectively reduce um, consumer-derived food waste. But you're not making the decision. Let's talk about why. And you know, the the basic reason is that you know if, if they reduce if consumer-derived food waste is and also including back of house restaurants, then you know less sales happen. But if we really are serious about reducing greenhouse gas emissions, climate change, and food waste, then we really need to address that, and we need to address it systemically. And that's something that brands do. So one of the things that I'm really working hard with some brands on. And then also some technology companies is we have a, a lot of really innovative antimicrobial edible berry research that, that is just poised. You know, if you Google antimicrobial edible burials, you get a lot of research. Quite frankly, a lot of the research is maybe not so good from a statistics standpoint, but that research can be taken and really applied to a specific brand. So one of the things that we worked on recently was decreasing food waste for, um, I can't say too much, but a vegetable company, frozen food vegetable company. And uh, they supply major QSRs or quick serve restaurants in the fast food industry, but a tremendous food waste problem. It was around 25% in the back room. So by decreasing that, we, by looking at different antimicrobial barriers, we addressed the food safety issue, which was hysteria. And allowed them much more flexibility back of house. And so the real drivers for the in the QSR environment and for the, the brand that we were working with wasn't necessarily um, food waste reduction. Like that didn't get them excited about it. What got them excited about it was they could help the back of house 
the back of house environment decreased labor, right? uh, which is a big issue now in the United States, and decrease the amount of controls uh, and then also food safety. So one of the things we do is we take a core technology like antimicrobial technology and we identify what technology the brand needs, but we work with them and we interpret that throughout the value chain. So we can work on the value chain drivers and quantify how much money will be saved in terms of labor, how much money will be saved you know, in terms of shipping and logistics and things like that. And when we paint the whole picture for that, even though they're going to decrease sales, right? Like in this case, their sales went down 15%. They gained sales because people switched from the brand they were using into their brand because they were able to we're doing the same type of thing with consume uh, within indicators. This is a big, big area. And frankly, this is an area where there's been a lot of research since maybe the 70s. And, uh, you know, kind of time temperature integrators versus indi indicators. And ones that really, and beyond time temperature indicators, also pH indicators, sulfide indicators, meat. And these are coming really fast. But the way I have worked or the way I work with brands is to, is to really identify in that case to just with antimicrobial, what technology they really need, and then work on the value chain drivers and justify the costs that way. If you don't do that, then usually they just nod their head and say, oh boy, that's a really good idea there, <laughs> right? But it doesn't get them to be able to sell the business case in China. A lot of the packaging people I work with, they're managing 20 to 25 projects at a time. They don't have time to build the business case internally. They don't have time to you know, develop this, this finesse in, in the value chain to, to do this. And they may not have the business acumen because they're scientists working in a you know, high-pressure environment. And so I give them the tools to help them go to the mat and actually reduce and this has been really, really effective. And it's kind of a nuanced approach. It's a blend of science and value chain expertise. And um, it really helps that conversation. Um, the other thing we're doing is I'm not an expert in consumer testing. So I work with companies who do consumer testing. And when we take these packaging technologies, companies invest in them. And throughout the whole value chain, we balance out the investments. But you really need to show brand switching. And so, uh, like the example I gave on frozen vegetables, antimicrobials, you really need to show brand switching. And so we're able to match up with uh, consumer testing companies and really focus in on how to communicate these advanced technologies to consumers. That, I think, is really important because if consumers see the value in packaging, we've shown they will switch. Uh, a recent study we did in uh, more sustainable meat packaging for the, the Minnesota meat industry here showed that people would say pay up to a dollar more for a consume within indicator than two pound package of ground beef, which is huge, right? So that that shows that consumers really want these technologies, they really need these technologies, and I think it's very important that we scientists. Um, Tell the brands, hey, these brand, these technologies are out there. If you don't use them, your competitor is going to, and that gets them moving. But also to help them from a business case perspective, 
really understand how they can make an impact in context, not just from farm to retail, but reaching out to back of house service operations, but also. Yeah, that was quite an elaborate explanation, Dr. San. Taking you did mention a lot of technology that you have worked with. So could you share your views on MATS and PATS and their impact on food protection and preservation? Uh, I saw in one of your recent papers, you cited Indian foods as an example, and that would be of tremendous interest here uh, in India. So it would be good to learn from you the potential of these technologies. Yeah, I'm super excited about what Tata is doing. You know, that's a technology, and I'm sure you, you have followed it, uh, that's been around for quite a while. And the work has been done at University of, or sorry, Washington State University. And Sham Sablani and I uh, wrote the article. Uh, he's the lead author because, oh boy, he did most of the work on it. And uh, very, very uh, kind you know, person to uh, assist me with uh, sharing that with readers. and. Yeah, Tata is taking the lead. Uh, Shelf-stable, modified atmosphere, or sorry, um, uh, microwave-assisted thermal sterilization. Uh, totally amazing, right? And it's it's a technology that I think it's important to take a step back and say, well, gosh, why is this technology better than retail? And one of the reasons is the shorter processing time. So if we really want to lower the impact on the environment of the food system, retort, well, boy, that takes a lot of energy, right? So shorter processing time, shorter processing, lower processing temperatures, that's huge in terms of lowering our impact. If we can get to shelf stability on in a, with a larger variety of foods, that would be great. There are some huge challenges with this. We have a lot of plasticization, for example, with EVOH, um, which is used for an oxygen barrier during processing. So limiting that uh, has been done with oxide films, but also metal oxide films. One of the things that's interesting about mats from the packaging standpoint is it really opens up more flexible packaging opportunities and barriers that we can't use with the retort environment because the retort environment is well, quite a bit less, quite a bit more harsh than the mats environment. So from a packaging standpoint, the glass transition temperatures of packaging materials are really an issue in but they're less of an issue in mats. And so a lot of these polymers are more suitable. So the other opportunity, which hasn't been looked at very much, but it's something we're, like my company is working with science or I guess in the polymer industry. And we've, we've often thought of, we, when we look at processing, we focused on what happens, right? And, and we say, well, gosh, we don't want anything to happen in processing it. And We've limited and we've designed our polymers so that nothing happens to them during processing. But what if the process can be used to, for example, in the case of mats, we see increased tensile strength and we see increased uh, elongations. So that means we can take a step back and say, okay, well, we can use then lower tensile strength polymers. We can use, you know, polymers with, with less elongation. And this also can be translated down. We can use lower barriers, right? I mean, obviously we need barriers with mats and cats, but we can use different barriers. What this leads to then is less packaging or more optimized packaging for the mats environment, um, just like we've been able to do over the years with retort, right? But when we take a step back and say, okay, well, we're not going to 
match what we've done with Contour. We're going to design specifically for the match environments. And here are the here are the opportunities because this is what happens to the polymers with you know microwave assisted thermal sterilization. So we can use that to our advantage. So it's it's pretty cool. We've done a neat job with that with HPP. I don't think we're totally there with HPP. There's certainly some polymer tweaks that need to be done, but I think we need to get away from this mindset of packaging where we don't want the processing to change the polymer. We can actually use the processing inherent properties to change, to, to allow to, to allow changes to happen during processing, but then kind of backpedal and design our polymers in a much more optimal way. We do know, however, really need to keep track of compression rates and concern that might happen in polymer design, but it certainly opens up a lot of opportunities. And that mind shift, I think, is key for Matt's in terms of the value proposition. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, as we discussed earlier, sustainability is one of the key things that, you know, even food scientists or even packaging technologists have to keep in mind. So to conclude the conversation, what would be your take on developing sustainable food packaging? Of course, keeping in mind that food protection is the primary goal of any packaging. Yeah, um, I really like the way you asked that question because it is the primary goal. You know, you and I don't wake up every morning and say, let's pollute the planet with packaging, right? We say, what are we going to do to preserve food, right? Preserve the, preserve the nutrients. So I think we need to get back to what are we trying to do, you know? And we're, we're trying to feed our population, right? And we're trying to feed a very varied population. Uh, we see a lot of implementation of packaging technologies, and I've talked about that. Um, but I also think we need to take a step back and recognize a couple things. If we really want to have a more sustainable food system, we do need to put food waste number one, right? The second thing we really need to do is focus on chemicals of concern. We really want to have a circular economy with packaging, uh, which would enable recycling, reuse, uh, degradation, these other things. We really need to focus on these chemicals of concern. Uh, there was a very interesting paper, a new scorecard called the UP scorecard, and it really addresses the tier one, tier two, and tier three chemicals of concern that can migrate into foods. So when we recycle products or packaging, and when we biodegrade them, we have to be very cognizant of what we're doing uh, to our bodies when we, we migrate in. But then we also have to be cognizant of what we're doing to the planet. So another area is, second or third area, is that material science wasn't really getting us nowhere fast, right? I shared an example with you, which I, I can't share <laughs> with everybody. But, you know, excellent science is being wasted away what I call wagging the dog, right? So we need to take a leadership position in packaging and we need to understand that, you know, brands are being told one thing by consumers that may not be the most sustainable. And so we need to really help brands, we as a packaging industry, we need to help brands to develop the communication to, cons to consumers. But, you know, the packaging industry is doing nobody any favors, including themselves, by doing this from the science one of the interesting areas that it's come about, consumers have a lot of interest in, but with the exception of, well, very few exceptions, it's really not the most sustainable 
approach. And so what we're seeing is is a rise in the interest in biodegradable. And the arguments for biodegradable packaging are often ocean waste and things like that. But, you know, biodegradation should not occur in the marine environment or on land at a fast or even a slow rate. Uh, when it does, it releases greenhouse gases, potential toxins in an uncontrolled environment and really unknown micro and macro substances and chemicals. So promoting unwanted degradation in the environment is not environmentally friendly. And we as a packaging industry really need to take a very strong stance on that. There's been a lot of disinformation, which has been incredibly troubling uh, to see. That relates a little bit to the chemicals of concern, because if we do clean up our packaging, like we think we should, then we can have biodegradation. But right now, a lot of our packaging not designed to biodegrade. And then when you add degradative uh, accelerators to it and it gets disposed of in the marine environment or land. Um, the last the last thing is really that a lot of we need to realize that the low lying fruit is gone in terms of the sustainable. We really need to take a step back like we do with our food industry and say how can we get food so uh, we're working with companies a lot now in this space. And this is interesting because it opens up a lot of opportunities for lower barriers that consumers need to handle. And the best example of that is potato chips at a fast food company or a fast food um, restaurant. If you have these single serve potato chips there, I buy a sandwich and potato chips at a fast food restaurant. I'm going to probably eat those potato chips first, right? And certainly within an hour <laughs> and then get to the sandwich. But so I, as a consumer, don't need 13 weeks of shelf life, but we need 13 weeks of shelf life. The brands need 13 weeks of shelf life. And so does the consumer's company. So in this scenario, you can have a reusable package within business to business environment and the food service uh, provider an hour or so before lunch could just open up this package, put the individual packages on the shelf, which could be a very low barrier. Don't need modified M's for packaging for that, but the large package would be uh, modified extra packaging. So really changing the way, changing the game, how um, how we do packaging is needed. The advantage of that chip example, and we can do this in the retail environment as well, is that then the consumer just has something that's incredibly recyclable to deal with, right? They don't, they don't have a multi-layer structure, which is very hard to recycle. They don't have or reuse. They have something that's uh, can readily recycled and can be handled in a lot of very simple. The last thing is that I really think that we as a packaging industry, you know, really need to be respectful of diverse resources and realize that we are in the spotlight with a lot of consumers. And this is an incredible opportunity that I think a lot of times we waste. We, we spend a lot of time getting defensive about packaging, but really it's an opportunity to show how much packaging can decrease food waste. Uh, minimize energy use in food processing and really lower the environmental impact of so on that uh, optimistic note and uh, on the lookout for new opportunities that come up uh, with the challenges in the area of food processing and packaging technology uh, i'd like to thank you for your time and sharing deep insights into this exciting uh, domain i'm sure our listeners will uh, benefit from your deep understanding that you have developed over three years of extensive research and development. Thank you, Dr. Claire Sand, for being a guest on Packaging Talks. 
Thank you as well. I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us for this special episode of Packaging Talks powered by Packaging 360. See you in our next episode.